Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Fabiana Claret is my guest on this episode. Fabiana lies at the intersection of some of my favorite topics, music, business, and technology. As the founder of the Musicians Profit Umbrella, Fabiana works with musicians to develop strategies to build financial and artistic freedom with prosperity. As you will hear in her story, she is passionate about empowering fellow musicians to build the life they dream of on their own terms. Conversations like this, capturing wisdom to share, is important in the times we're in. Artists, now more than ever, seek to stand on their own authority and in their own power of creativity. I hope this conversation inspires you to take that next step towards creating and owning your craft. Enjoy the listen. Fabiana Clore, pianist and business strategist for musicians. I'm the founder and CEO of the Musicians Profit Umbrella, a global business mentorship program that helps musicians and creatives build six-figure leaps through packaging their skills into an online music business. I'm passionate about empowering musicians to build the life that they've dreamed of on their own terms and standing on their authority and embracing financial and artistic prosperity. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm inspired already. I want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to go start. Uh, start my own. Start my own uh, music career. Umbrella. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, thank you for that introduction. There's a there's a lot in there, and um, I would love for you to maybe tell us a little bit about your backstory. When I when I connected with you originally. You and I both share kind of a global upbringing, um, having moved around the world. And I would love for you to share a little bit about how you got to where you're at now, starting what you're starting. Um, we all we all kind of have a, a fascinating winding journey. Um, it's a little melodic for some. It's a little chaotic for others. <laughs> um, but would love for you to share some of that story. Yeah, sure. Um I have to say my first passion in life was music. It, it started at a really early age and none of my family members were musicians, oddly enough. I have no idea where it came from because I didn't grow up, grow up seeing anyone play an instrument or anything like that. Um, but my mother used to sing this little bedtime song to me every night and she would sing, the most beautiful girl in the world. Is Fabiana, my Fabiana. And so my dad bought me this little toy keyboard. I think it was five years old. And one day she remembers passing by my room and hearing me just playing the song by ear. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just like playing around with it. 
Um, and so she decided to put me in piano lessons and just see if I would enjoy it. She just said, oh, she seems to like to play with this. Uh, and so I started piano lessons. We were living in Africa at the time, okay. uh, in Mozambique. And so my first piano teacher was in Africa. Uh, and then a few years later, we moved back to the United States uh, and consequently back to Bolivia. My family is originally from Bolivia. I was born in the United States, but my parents are Bolivian and I grew up in different parts of the world. And in Bolivia, I had the opportunity to go to a school that was for gifted children in music. And so every single day, I realize now, looking back, how privileged I was to have that type of education. It's, it's surreal. Every morning, we would have the normal you know, academics from 8 to 12. But then every afternoon from 2 to 5, we had three hours of music lessons wow. in a variety of formats. We had uh, you know, choir. We had theory. We had you know, our, our actual private instrument instructors. You know, we, we would vary different things, but basically I was immersed in school for every afternoon until five o'clock in music and in art. And that had a profound effect in my outlook in life because, first of all, the principal was this visionary, just visionary dreamer who believed in these beautiful ways of raising kids, of, of teaching children how to, how to find their own sense of expression and their own creativity through art. I mean, that's why it was a special school. Um, and I took it for granted, to be honest. I, I just, I just thought this is the way we we learn. And so uh, I just fell in love with music. It became just part of everything that I did. I got my piano. I, I you know, started entering competitions, and I, it, it turned from just something fun to something passionately fun. Like mm -hmm. I really, really liked it. I became the, that that student that unlike most kids these days whose parents have to nag at them to practice, I was one of the kids who my mom actually encouraged me to stop practicing and go out and play. <laughs> you know, she would say, you know, haven't you done enough practicing today? Your pieces are sounding okay. Go, just go out and play, have some fun. Um, and so I just, I just loved piano all my life. And so not surprisingly, when I moved to Cuba, um, my father was working with the United Nations at that time. And I, I moved to Havana and, I entered the conservatory. I fell in love with being a musician with everything that I realized that it could actually be a career. Mm -hmm. And I told my dad, you know, I think I want to be a professional musician, which for him was a bit of a shock because he's a civil engineer with a PhD in civil engineering and a master's in economics. Like he didn't like the idea of being a musician. He didn't think it could actually be a viable job. But, uh, you know, fortunately, I, I spoke to him from the heart. And to this day, I, I still believe the, the truth, which is if I love what I do, I'm going to be successful. And that's all that I need. Yeah. And that has become my life's mantra. Love what you do and you're going to be successful. Believe in yourself. Give yourself that chance and you're going to be successful. And since then, many different you know, life transitions from earning multiple degrees, all in piano performance, not surprisingly, culminating in a doctorate degree in music, to launching a music school, to to coming to a university later on and building a university music business program and now building an online global program to help musicians essentially do that, essentially live out of what they love, right? And go after their dreams and not feel that they need to settle. My life has been all about that in many different iterations. When I started my first business, my husband and I, he's also a concert pianist, we build a program to help music students be competitive to be able to go into college and to win scholarships. Basically to go into their career path doing what they love. 
Then I moved to Texas and we restructured our school so that it would continue working without us. And we were able to, to run our business remotely. And what I did at the university setting was help musicians build their careers on their own terms and not feel that they just had to practice, practice, practice in the university and hope that someone rescues them when they graduate. And if not, fall off the cliff of unemployment, but build their businesses while in school and create their life on their own terms. And since last year, I quit my full-time job and I've been all in into my business because I once, I once again want to build a life on my own terms. I want to have that complete flexibility and freedom to, to not feel that I'm over, like, overcompensating, that I'm putting too much on my plate, that I'm leading myself to burnout and giving myself that chance to, to go after my dreams. And this is what I do day in and day out as a, as a coach now for musicians is to help them envision what could be possible and then make it happen. That's so inspirational. I mean, like the as you talked, I was just guided through these stages of, you know, of life, and I could sort of picture right the little Fabiana that was in, that was at the piano, and and I love the story you shared about playing by ear because I'm also a musical ear. Um, I I think I've used it in different ways. When I was a child, I did learn to play piano, and I loved it. Um, oh, wow. How cool. I wanted to then pick up guitar because I, I love the sound of both piano and guitar. And interestingly enough, I think my parents saw me getting very almost infatuated with guitar. Um, and they were a little worried, right? Because mm-hmm. they saw, they saw the little dreamer. They saw mm-hmm. the little child full of expression wanting to be at the guitar. And the reason I love the story you shared is because I, it it takes me back to that child that I was who really wanted to get lost in that instrument and and make music. And, you know, parents oftentimes, like you said, some parents, they encourage that expression of a child and others worry that, you know, the term I heard sometimes growing up was get your head out of the clouds. Right. Um, and so I was sort of pulled away from the guitar. Um I then picked up clarinet and then I picked up flute. Oh, wow. Um, and so what's interesting is I've used the musical ear in a different way growing up. Um, I've always been pulled to the music. I think I funneled it into languages. So I, I picked up six languages growing up and, <laughs> and that is the musical ear, right? That is the ability to hear a tune, hear an accent, hear a phrase and very similar to uh, to finding the keys, find the diction, find the tone. So I love that story you shared because it resonates with me so much. Um, and, it, and in some way, unexpectedly, it allows me to sort of re-meet my child self and say, you know what, like, you still have time. You still have time to do this. You could still pick up. And And one of the things I've done over the course of even this podcast, you know, learning about audio production and editing and timing and everything. And, and I've had a few mus- musicians on and I love talking to them because each time I talk with them, it reminds me that I should go out and buy that keyboard. I yeah. should, I should get that software. I should, I should play the tunes that are in my head. Now I couldn't tell you what notes they are because I've forgotten much how to read note, you know, musical notes, although I could get back to music theory if I, if I like, but the tunes are still there. The melodies are in my head. I just need to put them somewhere. Um, so I love that you shared that story because, it, 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 again, it gives 
if I'm getting that inspired by it to take to take, give myself permission to go do this, I, I'm hoping listeners are too. Oh my goodness, that is so wonderful. Well, listen, music is just another language, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If you already learned six languages, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just one more. So you could totally pick that up and, and revisit all of what you already built. And right. it would probably come much quicker than you ever thought because it's just a language. And I am a firm believer, you know, when I had my music, I mean, my music academy, when I was running the school, a lot of parents came to us and said, can you audition our child to see if he can learn music? Can you test the child to see if he has a musical ear, if, he, if it would be okay for, for our child to learn an instrument? Because a lot of times they associate like, this is not for everyone and people need to, you know, win an audition. They need to qualify. They need to be given permission to have the privilege to learn music. Right. And I would always tell them, we don't need to do that. Like anyone can learn music. Of course, there are some people who have more natural ability, whose brain are developed in a different way, who can pick it up quicker, who can perhaps advance faster. But at the end of the day, anyone can learn music. Mm-hmm. This isn't something reserved for, for certain people. Uh, and so I would always tell them, forget about that. Just come and, and register. Let's get started, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, just just the the grace with which to say, let's just get started, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's probably... I shared with you kind of in our exchange beforehand. I mean, music saved my life. Like I can say that out loud. Music has saved my life many, many times. And, you know, you still find those moments where you're moved and emotions that are in you cannot move, but music will help them move. Um, I had an exchange recently with a friend and we were talking about how sometimes when you go to your, your toughest place, your darkest place, the only thing that can really get you out of that, that sense of like, okay, is music. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't think that's uh, accidental, personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's, there's a lot of neuroscience to it. Um, oh, yeah. where, where I went to get my undergraduate, Johns Hopkins University, Pete, the Peabody Conservatory um, mm-hmm. is, is part of that university. And one of the most fascinating conferences I ever went to was uh, music and neuroscience. So it was three day conference and it was the best of the best of the Peabody Conservatory and the best of the best of neuroscience from Johns Hopkins Medical Center. And they came together and they had this very interactive conference that enabled us to learn about what is happening in the brain as music is playing. And we went from room to room and listened to different instruments and people playing and would watch uh certain things we would we would journal we would write uh if if people wanted they could you know they could put their hand on something that would that would measure their their pulse and their blood pressure and all of these data points just proved what we kind of knew inside Mm. and sometimes we need that scientific data to back us up but i went into that conference eyes wide open i came out of that conference assured and affirmed that everything I knew to be true, I just couldn't put it in data points. I couldn't put it in science. It was always true. Um, Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. I would love to like look that up. You know, where's that conference? Where can I go? Hopefully they're still doing that every year or something. It was very successful. I'll have to go back and see if, if they continued it beyond the pandemic, because obviously, you know, COVID changed a lot of that, as you said. And maybe they have some videos or something mm-hmm. that are still available. You know, it, I would love sure. to. Yeah. Because those are, I mean, 
we all know that when we are in this field, there's a reason why we do what we do, but to be able to have some hard facts, some data that explains the value, I can only imagine, for example, for music teachers, that information Mm-hmm. is gold because they can make the case for their potential students. I'm already thinking of business. I know, right? <laughs> I go straight into that mindset, but it's like they could use that to make the case for why the parents should put their kids in music. You know, right. they can use that data to to not just make it sound like it's something cool, but like there's actual data that backs this up, you know? Absolutely. I, I would love, you know, as as you as you mentioned, you talked about the remote piece. Um, you and your husband started a music academy. I believe it was started in Florida. You moved to yeah. Texas. Mm-hmm. And I think it was about six years ago that you moved to Texas, but you kept the business going. So that was long before the world was doing remote everything. Yeah. So can you share some of those early days, what that was like? And then mm-hmm. and then now, like, is this is just old hat for you? Like, oh, we've, we've been doing this for a while or have there been new insights since um, since COVID? Yeah, well, you know, when we, this was, this was kind of crazy, to be honest. When I applied for the job at the University of North Texas, I was living in Miami, running my school, and my husband was a little confused why on earth I was applying for a job that would require us to move and leave our business. He, he didn't believe we could do that. Mm-hmm. And I was at a point in my life where I, I had felt that I had achieved like some success in terms of finishing a doctor degree, I had you know become a mother, I had started a business, I had you know raised the profile of the school and you know been featured on television twice and our students were killing it, they were going out there winning competitions. And I felt like is this it? Like is this as far as I can go? Mm-hmm. I was ready to be challenged again. Like I wanted to be pushed out of my comfort zone again and to feel that I was learning and growing and creating something new. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I, I like to create, put things in motion, get them going, and then create more things, you know. Um, and so I really needed something new. And I, and I knew it wasn't to just keep doing what I was doing. So the opportunity to build this university program kind of fell on my lap. And I just, I just couldn't resist the temptation to apply. But my husband was like, you know that if they give you the job, we're going to have to move to Texas. And I was like, well, who knows if they're even going to give me that job it's so competitive these days in academia. I mean, what are the odds? I'm just going to, let's see what happens. And they gave me the job. <laughs> so then I had to go back and be like, um, honey, uh, I just got the job. So we, we now need to figure this out. We hadn't thought about it until that point. So once I got the job, then we had to restructure the school. Mm-hmm. And we, we contemplated a variety of scenarios. We contemplated um, moving the school to Texas and running it in Texas. We contemplated selling it. We contemplated like all sorts of alternatives. And we ultimately decided that the safest and the most strategic thing would be to just keep it there. It had already an established clientele. We had built a reputation in the community and it was making a great impact. And it would, at that stage, to start all over again in Texas, move everything there. We had like sound recording studios. We had like grand pianos, digital pianos. Like it was a massive investment. Plus starting all over again, we were no longer the fresh, recently graduated doctoral students that five years ago, were, you just gave it all in and were willing mm-hmm. to just work all day and night to create a business. We now had a two-year-old, you know, I was starting a full-time job at a university, things were different. So we, we kind of had to leave it there. Uh, many of our mentors were crazy, thought we were crazy. We're like, how on earth are you going to leave your school and just move to Texas? 
But I decided to give myself an opportunity to try. You know, I was just like, if I don't risk it, if I don't let go of this sense of security that I have right now in my life and try to jump into the, out of my comfort zone, I'll regret this forever. Mm-hmm. So I took the risk. I took the risk. It could have flopped completely. Like I had no guarantee that it was going to work. But my husband fortunately supported me, you know, and he decided to, you know, to help me take over the administration. Up until then, he was involved mainly in like supporting the, the physical location. Of course, we were both teaching. We we're both pianists. And I was running the school, but then he had to take over and run the school, which actually was a very interesting transition because mm-hmm. he changed a lot of the way I was running the school and in many ways optimized it even better mm-hmm. and made it run more efficiently because we had to make it efficient. We were no longer there. Right. So believe it or not, after the first year, even though it was a lot of learning, there was a big learning curve, the school actually became more profitable than when the two of us were there full time. Interesting. Go figure. <laughs> so that really influenced my perspective in coaching musicians. So when I started the program at UNT, that was always my beginning point is like, this is not about starting a business. This is about creating a self-led company that one day can support you in taking adventurous steps in, in, in going for what you want and helping you build the pathway to you, the, to designing the life that you want, whether or not you're involved in the business 100% of the time. So it changed the way I approached music education, uh, because I, I, I told my students, let's help you build a business, but let's build this so that one day you can grow it and do whatever you want with it, not mm-hmm. that it depends on you. Mm-hmm. And so that has been since then one of my most important, uh, I guess, philosophies as it relates to how I coach my clients. I want them to not just make money, but make money in the smart way, yeah. not hard way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so... It's so timely as well because the industry is shifting so much. Um, you know, I don't necessarily need to get into the whole, you know, NFTs and the and the way people are, you know, uh, protecting their their intellectual property and and creations. Um, although that is a fascinating topic that someday in the future I would love to 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 talk more with people about. But I, I'm curious your thoughts on like artists are really taking back their own power um, and their own livelihood. Um, and so I'm curious when you coach, uh, musicians and you talk to them, is, is it, is it really from a place of like, you are a brand, you are a business Mm -hmm. and you get to set the platform and the portfolio Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the, the projection in which you want to go as opposed to having to subscribe to old models. Is that an accurate Absolutely. That's exactly right. I'm so glad you're saying it because that's the, the cornerstone of my philosophy. And unfortunately, it goes against the way most musicians are trained. Exactly. And I know this firsthand because I went through the whole training. I finished in a doctor degree in piano. And only at the very end, I had to figure out, like, now what do I do with this degree? You know, now how, how do I make money now? Do, do I need to wait for someone to hire me then? I guess I need to polish my resume. Like, what do I do? And I, it hit me hard, you know, at that stage as I was finishing a lifetime of degrees in piano performance. Yeah. Nothing, this was never brought up. So yeah, musicians are designed, and again, a part of this is the educational system, but they're trained to be approved by someone else. They need to audition for things. They need to be hired to work in entities. Uh, They need to be given promotions. They need to be told that they're good enough or not. And so they go into the world when they finish their, their training, waiting to be picked, basically. Yeah. 
and waiting for someone to pick them and then to tell them when they can make more money. They, they, the notion of you can make money on your terms and decide how much you want to make and when and how and, and, and why and who to serve and who not to serve, that you get to choose, the notion that you have choices yeah. is oftentimes very unfamiliar for musicians and for creatives in general, I think. Mm-hmm. So obviously I, I was able to create that like disruption in the university that I built, you know, the program, and it, and it was great. But I now want to do it at a much global, much more global scale, yeah. you know, and change the conversation yeah. to one of empowerment, to one of possibility, to one of of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so exciting to hear you talk about that because I think about how many friends, colleagues, even acquaintances I've known over the years who. They were just this shy of doing that, what you're talking about, right? They were just this shy of saying, I'm going to try something. I'm going to take a risk. But what pulled them back or dimmed their light or extinguished their light mm-hmm. were the old, these old systems, these old paradigms. And that sense of, you know, waiting for someone to tell you you're worthy mm-hmm. of it, of, of that investment. And now you're actually kind of flipping that and saying, no, 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 like you get to invest in yourself. You get to publish, create, compose, charge, perform what on your own terms. But I imagine the, the coaching conversations have a lot to do with confidence as much yeah. as they do with creativity. Is that is that yeah. accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And here's where community plays a key role. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way I can expect anyone to get the results just by themselves. Yeah. I certainly would not have been able to. I have been able to achieve most of my like career milestones because I've been surrounded by people who've been cheering me on, who've been telling me you can do this. It's possible. Here's how look, other people have done it too. And when you are surrounding yourself by people who lift you up, whether it's coaches, mentors, colleagues, but you see the, the reality in other people, that's when the confidence starts coming to you. You feel like, Oh, okay. Even though I have never done this, I'm seeing people do it. So maybe I can be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that community creates confidence. And that m- the more we surround, we, we should be okay feeling like not confident. That's normal. Like that's the normal way people feel most of the time. That's like the given. That's the starting point. Most people feel imposter syndrome. They feel like they're not worthy. They feel like they don't. Who would want them and why could they charge high ticket prices, which is another topic (laughs) blows people's mind, you know, but that's a separate conversation. But the idea is that you can't wait to start feeling confident. Get yourself in a room full of people who are trying and who are doing it and who are failing and then lifting themselves back up. Yeah. And you get to see the whole story and realize that it's possible and it doesn't have to be perfect, you know, and just, just do it. Yeah. You're writing a book. Yes. You're pretty close to finishing this book. Uh, I would love for you to tell us about the book. Yeah. I am literally one chapter away from finishing my book. This book, Bill, has been 11 years in the making. Wow. I wrote my dissertation when I was finishing my doctoral degree in 2011. And at that point, it was at that moment where I was like, now I need to make money. Like, how? (laughs) How am I going to grab? Like, where am I going to work? What? 
I had never really thought about it because I was still that person who was like, I'll just be good at it. I'll enjoy it. And it's just all going to kind of fall into place. It's all going to be okay. You know, it'll just work out. I just have to keep playing the piano and doing what I love and it'll all just magically work out. That has been my life philosophy, right? But of course, there was a moment where I had to hit the reality. And so I wrote a dissertation around how entrepreneurial concert pianists build sustainable careers and create businesses that complement their performing. Mm-hmm. And it started to become an obsession of mine at that stage. Like I needed to research for my own information, course, for my yeah. own purposes. Like how do people do it? So I started researching, you know, the lives of entrepreneurial pianists. I interviewed many entrepreneurial pianists. I interviewed managers of pianists, asked them, what do you look for in your clients? How do you know someone is worth, you know, you, you, you signing up? Uh, I was very surprised that managers aren't there to rescue musicians, but in fact, they want a partner. They want an mm. entrepreneurial pianist who's already good at what they do and finds opportunities for themselves. And then they, they get a manager, right? Uh, and so I just started learning about that and, and it became a real interesting topic. And at that point, I knew I was going to turn that into a book. I knew that was going to become a book sometime, but life happened. Mm-hmm. 10 years happened. And last year, after I built my online program, my Musician's Profit Umbrella program, and I started to see the impact of what I was teaching my clients and how they were able to take all of this information and, and turn it into viable businesses and, and, and create their own wealth on their terms, I knew it was time that I finally picked back that dissertation and updated it with what has happened in the last 10 years. Yeah, a lot. And turned it into a book for musicians all around the world. And yeah. so I'm finally almost done in, with, in, in, in the draft, you know? I've, mm-hmm. been, I've been turning 20 pages every week to my editor. And so I just turned on my, my last 20 pages from my second to last chapter. So next week, I'll be writing the conclusion. I'm, I would say the book is written. Yeah. I just have to write the conclusion now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and think how much the world has changed, right? In 10 years, um, the industry has changed, the, the technology has changed. So I think that's super exciting. Um, one last question for you that I would love to ask. I, I'm always fascinated by musicians who, you know, they play, they create, they compose, they teach. I'm always fascinated by what what is their go-to in this moment in terms of what they're listening to. So if I were to ask you maybe, and this is an off the cuff question, so, uh, you know, don't feel any pressure, but like, what are some of the things that you're listening to, to be inspired, to inspire yourself during this time of like last chapter writing, conclusion writing, like what is your playlist that is in your, on your speakers, in your ears when you want to, you know, get inspired? You know what? The way I wrote my book, believe it or not, was with nature sounds. I have this app. Yep. Called um, Aura. It's mm-hmm. a meditation app. Yeah. I don't know if you know it. I love it. And it has these nature sounds. I'm talking about like, this is what has helped me write this book. Because if I listen to music, I can't write a book. I start listening yeah. to the music. Me I'm too. the type of person who I will be like, oh, oh it, it'll, I can listen to music when I'm like really wanting to listen to it, I, I have a hard time listening to it passively because I'm a musician and I immediately my, all my brain and I started listening to the harmonies and trying to figure out what they did and what chord was that. And like my head starts getting into that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I could write the book listening to music, but I have been listening to like 
nature sounds and especially yeah. forest sounds. Check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I literally, I literally, I enter the forest. When it's writing time, I put forest or ocean. Yeah. And I just like, I just visually place myself in a forest. And I put that and I put it for like, as long as I'm going to write. And it's like the best hack for focus and productivity because I'm just like out of the world and into the forest and I'm writing. And that has been my, my hack for. That's <laughs> for wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, we're winding down here. I would love for you to tell people where they can find out more about you. Um, you know, where they can tune in and tell a little bit about you do these weekly shows. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. on YouTube. Right. So tell folks yeah, about yeah. that as well. Yeah. So, you know, part of the learning journey for me to become an online entrepreneur, which is a fairly recent iteration of my entrepreneurial journey. I mean, I first built my brick and mortar school, then I built a university program. So I'm relatively new to the online space. It only happened in early January of 2020. Little did I know that in March, the world will turn upside down. And what I was just playing around with in terms of an idea of creating this thing that could potentially be useful became urgent in March mm-hmm. and that I would have to really dive in and, and amp the, the, the temperature in this business and make it, make it grow faster than I thought I would have to. Cause I had a full-time job, you know? Um, and so in that process, I, I, I really started to learn about how to create online content and how to do Facebook lives and how to build, you know, YouTube, even though I had a lot of piano performances, I wasn't really used to speaking and creating videos and content. It was, it was an adventure. And although I had been featured as a speaker in many national and international music business conferences, and you know, I had done other things as a speaker and actual live events, it was so weird to just do things online and to start creating yeah. content online and showing up online and just embracing my own authority and saying, here I am and here's what I can do and let's talk. And like it was a, just a great like new version of me that I ne- never really knew. And I love helping my, my clients do that too, because they come to me, they're already established musicians. They're very, you know, they've done so many things, but they're terrified of doing the five minute Facebook live. It just yeah. it's like so terrifying. And I can totally relate to that. So I learned and I, I started playing around and some videos I flopped and other ones I did it better. And just, I was compassionate on myself. I was, I tried to be graceful, not to take myself too seriously. And, uh, and and really, I, I fell in love with the process of just having a platform to be able to connect with people and to share and to offer value on a regular basis and to help people experience transformations and breakthroughs that help them make better choices in their lives. And some of these people end up becoming my clients. Other people end up just going and killing it on their own. And that's mm-hmm. fine either way for me. You know, Showing up from a place of service has been one of my greatest passions in this whole last two years. I just did a a three hour, completely free, uh, just VIP workshop for a group of, 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 of free people, you know, who came into my world who, who were qualified. So I love communicating and sharing my, my voice. And so part of that includes ongoing places to, to connect and to add value. I have a YouTube channel where I present weekly trainings every week. You can find a new training where I talk all things about music business, entrepreneurship, career development, artist empowerment, everything that has to do with what I'm passionate about in the Musicians Profit Umbrella program. And I also have a free Facebook community, Musicians Creating Prosperity, 
Uh, at this point, we have almost a thousand members and they're all on the same mission of just taking a new stance on their industry and creating their life on their own and, and not feeling that someone needs to give them permission. So I have that. I, I have an email list that I nurture as well. And yeah, I've, I've, I really fell in love with the idea of just sharing a message, sharing a voice. And only recently I, I, I've discovered that turns out that these are highly profit producing activities. Yeah. And that the more as creatives and artists, we take a stand for communicating our vision and our thoughts, the more money we can make for our businesses. If we, yeah. if we, if we are willing to communicate and to share we're operating at a higher level of value than if we're just stuck in the doing and the doing, doing, doing. So now I feel even more excited <laughs> to do yeah. that. Absolutely. I mean, it, it gives me such joy because the two words that come to mind as you're, as you're describing and kind of resonating this is perseverance and prosperity. Um, and I think what's really interesting is musicians and artists and creatives, they certainly know the feeling of perseverance. Mm-hmm. It's about time they know the feeling of prosperity. Absolutely. Yeah. And it um, is possible. It yeah. is possible. I'm telling you, it's possible. I'm so, so sure about that. You know? Yeah. I gave myself a hundred and twenty percent salary raise when I launched my first run of my program. Now I just want to put this in perspective for a second. I had been working at a university for five years, and every year you have to submit a performance evaluation for review. And at the most, you can expect 2 or 3% salary yeah. increase. At the most, and count yourself lucky. And in my first online program where I said, I'm just going to declare my value. I'm going to show up. I'm going to offer my program. And whoever wants can get it. I'm going to reach out. I'm doing all the things. I gave myself a 120% salary raise. I exceeded my year-long salary by 120%. This is possible. You know, it's possible. Yeah. And it's easier than you think as long as you have the clarity and the strategy. Absolutely. It is possible. If I can do it, anyone can do it. That's amazing. Um, one last question, then I'm going to let you go. If you had a dream client who's a musician or artist, who would that be? Huh. A dream client, musician or artist. Oh, I wouldn't. I know. Martha Argerich. Okay. And tell us about Martha for those that don't know who that is. She's an Argentinian classical pianist, concert pianist. She's been my idol for all my life. Okay. I got the fortune of meeting her in person in a concert in Washington, D.C. And she is a fierce, amazing concert pianist. I think she's in her 70s right now, maybe, or something like that, or maybe even a little older. And, uh, you know, what I love about what I do is that I show musicians a way to create prosperity that doesn't require them to work in order to get it, but that allows them to leverage their existing expertise and package it in a way where they can, they can guide others in receiving transformation and achieving breakthroughs, but it doesn't depend on them being physically doing the things, meaning they're not having to implement all the time. It doesn't depend on them sitting in a room and teaching the student or them being on stage or them traveling and doing this. It depends on them just packaging themselves into a brand 
and opening themselves to support people through the online space. Yeah. So at this stage in her life, she was probably at a stage where she would like not to have to travel so much. Yeah. Not to have to be all the time on stage. Although she, I mean, that's what she's, she is. She's a concert pianist and she's an amazing, brilliant musician. But I, I would love to be able to look, talking about manifestation. What if she listens to this one day? I'm not kidding. It okay? can happen. But Stranger things have like, happened. You know, you don't need to depend on just what you do on stage. You can now leverage this and you can mentor people through your zone of genius, whatever that is, which I help them figure that out, by the way. And you could actually make probably more money just by putting yourself available to people and guiding them online. Even if it's teaching them piano, but still doing it in a one-to-many format, in an online way. Right. Or, or showing them how to create a career as a concert pianist or showing them how to sustain whatever it is that's your passion that you want to help people do. Doing it online from your home, in your PJs, with your slippers. And then you can choose which concerts you go to just mm-hmm. because you want to do that, not because you depend on that. Yeah. So that's my, 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 my message to Martha Argerich. If she, well, to if she hears this, call, Martha. yeah, give her a call. <laughs> um, it's also a wonderful way to say thank you to an idol. Um, you know, like I find that there are these moments when we do get the opportunity to stop, take pause and think about those that have influenced us and played a huge role. So muchas gracias, Martha, is what I would say. (laughs) And Spanish is not one of the languages I speak, by the way. Oh my goodness. That was great pronunciation, Bill. (laughs) I I try. I try. Um, well, thank you so much. Uh, and muchas gracias to you, Fabiana. Um, (laughs) this is a wonderful (laughs) conversation. I'm just flooded with joy and you've given me a lot to think about, even, even (laughs) my own small journey. Um, Maybe I'm going to get that keyboard soon and, yeah, and well, start. Call my husband because he's a great piano teacher. Okay. So if you're looking for a piano teacher, give him a call because he's amazing at that. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time um, and welcome. sharing your story. I, I can't wait to echo it out in the world and it'll find its way to all those future musicians and current musicians and artists of all of all generations. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, Bill, thank you for your platform. Thank you for inviting me. I just also want to give you a shout out because... I think, you know, it's so, so important to provide a space for elevating conversations for everyone around the world. And I know you have a busy career, you, you know, have a full-time job, you're very busy in your side of the, you know, of what you do working on Microsoft and all of that. And yet you carve out the time to have these opportunities to totally serve. Like this is your, your your service to the world and this is the way you you give back and i think that that is such a thing that is also valuable and important to recognize because the conversations that you're offering and the information that you're giving people access to like a lot of people would never be able to even afford listening to a lot of what you're bringing in you know right. and so you're doing a great service to the world by providing this and making the space and I understand you also do all the editing and the tech side. I mean, that's that's like really a, a passion for you, you know, and that shows a, an incredible commitment to to really giving it your all. Like you're all in in this podcast I'm and everything you do. And I think that, you know, this is a reflection of probably every other area of your life. You know, you go all in. And that's also something that we, we can showcase in today's episode is like, go all in. Yeah, folks, like whatever you decide you want to do, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a business, whether it's your job, whether it's yourself, your family, 
Go all in. Look, Bill is doing it. I'm doing it. You guys can do it too if you go all in, if you just commit to that. So I just wanted to showcase Thank that you so much. I am like flooded with 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 uh with good feelings. Um thank you for thank you for naming that and putting that out into the world. Cause honestly, you're right. As creatives, we don't we don't do that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um and it means a lot. So thank you very much for for, for that echo as well. Um have a wonderful weekend. Um and I appreciate the time. This is really this is a really great way to end a week. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You bet. I hope you enjoyed that story and conversation on the power of perseverance and prosperity with Fabiana. You can find out more about her at her website, which is listed in the show notes. And the music you hear in the background is from her debut album, which you can find on Spotify.